Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Now, I have been trying to get our guest on today's show since Catapulting Commissions launched. We're over 100 episodes now. So just so you know, I am also a persistent salesperson when I'm trying to reach out to people and get them on the show. If you've read the Catapulting Commissions book, you have heard me talk in the book about a manager named Z that really pushed me hard in my early career in B2B. And if you haven't read the book, you can get a pick up a copy, text 661-228-8967, text hello, we'll send you a link. You can download the ebook free of charge, no questions asked. If you want to pick up a copy, you can catch it on the website. All those links are in the show notes below. But Rather than to pick up the book, let's hear the story direct. I'm going to tell you about my guest today, Z Slingsby. Now, I've known Z for an eternity, and I'm not going to disclose that because we'll reveal how old her and I are, but we've known each other for a long time. She is currently a health and wellness coach, but she is a lifelong sales and business guru. She started her career out of college working in Yellow Pages advertising, going door to door. Like If you think about that, that is the foundation where salespeople were built many years ago. She eventually went back to school, picked up her MBA, found herself in sales leadership for nearly 10 years, working in some fabulous large name companies. She loves the role of leadership in sales in building people up so much so that she has now ventured in her own space. She has her home team in health and wellness. She still leads a sales team, although she's working for herself. She's passionate about bringing her team and building people up to be successful leaders. And I say this from experience. She did the same for me. Z, welcome to the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad I'm finally here. And for the record, I didn't say no because I didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that is true. You, you didn't say no because you didn't want to do it. But life, life took us over and expanded us a little bit. So I'm okay with that. But it goes to show, Catapulting Commission's family, there's never a problem in just asking over and over again and just reaching back out and saying, hey, let's pick this conversation back up. So glad to have you here. Z, help the audience out. We're, you're currently a health and wellness coach, and I, I gave in a brief abbreviation on your sales background. Can you just can you give us the, the three minute synopsis <clears throat> so we can gain a little bit about who you are in that quote unquote sales and business world? Yeah, so I started in sales, uh, like you said, after college, and then went into leadership. And I knew I wanted to be in leadership because when I was an individual contributor and I was doing sales. I kept offering to help people just for the heck of it. I wanted to ride with anyone that was struggling. I wanted to train anyone that was struggling just for fun. And I started realizing I liked that role more than the individual contributor role. So I went into sales leadership and um, it was... Honestly, I had a lot of fun. It was fun to see 
folks come in who didn't have experience and then kind of find themselves and realize, wow, I'm actually really good at this. It was exciting to take someone that really loved what they were doing, but kind of hit new heights with them, right? And hit new goals. Um, I like the thrill of month end. I know some people hate it, but I actually really enjoy We're in month end right now. And it's like my favorite time because it's exciting. And uh, I like going after big accomplishments. And I, I know you're the same way. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I knew I was, I was meant to be in sales, but the leadership part, the team part is what I just love more than anything else. Um, today, I got into the health and wellness space because that's always been something else that I'm passionate about, you know, truly living healthy inside and out. Um, I got into fitness about seven years ago, teaching fitness classes. Um, but I'm also a business coach. So what I really love to do is show women that they can have a health and wellness business themselves. They can run it themselves. They can be their own boss. So for me, it really just satisfied a lot of different areas of my life. Working in corporate America, sales and leadership, when I was single, totally fine. When I got married, it wasn't so bad. My husband and I both, you know, had our careers and we kind of made it work, but I was starting to realize, okay, this is really taking a toll on my overall work-life balance. Right. And then I started thinking, okay, when I have kids, what is this going to look like? Am I dropping them off at daycare at six 30 in the morning? And then, you know, there were days I wasn't coming home till seven, seven 30. And that didn't even count the time I was traveling. So what I do today is one, health and wellness. I really think nothing matters if you're not feeling healthy. Like your career is not going to, it's not going to explode. You're not going to be able to enjoy the money you make if you're not truly healthy. And then two, lead women to start their own business with their own time, be their own boss. Um, and for me, and I know so many women can relate to this, I just want something besides feeling accomplished because I changed a diaper really well today. Like that just wasn't satisfying me. Um, I, I want something else besides that, something else that's just mine that I can feel proud of. And I find that when I do that with my career, then I'm much more present with my kids when I have that time with them because I'm, I'm getting that satisfaction somewhere else. So when I'm with my kids, I can give them a hundred percent. So that's a lot of things I know I wrapped up into there, but that's really what my goal is today. And that's why working with, with moms is, really my passion. I mean, let's peel some layers there. Tons of value in it. I will completely agree with you. Your, your happiness in your own personal life, right? Your own, your own health and wellness, right? And when, when people say health and wellness, everyone goes straight to physical. I mean, hell, even half the time I go to health as physical first, but, and I'm sure you remember this and, and I know working in high corporate America, high intense sales, there is a mental component that it, it is not, sales is easy. Sales leadership is easy. Sales mentality is actually the challenging part. That's where you have to dive in and it would have that. That's a part of the wellness sometimes I don't think we we expand on. So to hear you say that, I mean, that's just empowering as all. You look at it and say, if I want to be successful in any business, whether I'm, I'm selling Yellow Pages advertising, whether I have my own company, whether I have my own health business, mentally, I have to have that clarity and the well-being first. So to hear you say, to, to have that self-reflection of, I needed to do this first, kudos to you. Because there's not, I mean, I, you know, Z, you climbed the ranks of corporate America at a really young age. I mean, you you were a sales director at a really large company. You had a team of quote unquote 
sales professionals underneath you, people that look at it and say, hey, oh, you've arrived. So you went, you got your MBA, you graduated, you did all of this. And you're like, nah, I'm not happy. I'm going to go take a chance on my own. So <laughs> I, I, I admire you for that. That's, that's awesome. But the question that comes to mind here as you think about this is you developed a leadership style in corporate America. You have a leadership style right now. And Catapulting Missions Family, if you've not followed these social media links, we'll have those down in the show notes you'll see what I mean. I mean, Z has a community that is completely, she's leading and and empowering people. Let's talk about your leadership style. Like, what is your leadership style? Who taught it to you? How did it develop? What is important to you? Let's break that down a little. Yeah, totally. So it's definitely evolved because of the role that I'm in. So my leadership style when I was in corporate, and there's some similarities, but when I was in corporate America, you know, you're doing a lot of interviews first. So I'm only bringing people onto the team or keeping people on the team that really fit the overall, you know, goal and model of the team and quite frankly, are doing their job, right? And so my leadership style then was really, if someone is brand new, if you've heard of Ken Blanchard, like that's really where I started. Um, it's high level of direction for someone who's brand new or doesn't understand the position because in the beginning, you're really excited but you don't have any skill. So high level of direction. And then when they start to get to that point where they know what they don't know, and I believe in everything you do, there's that second phase, even marriage, right? Where the honeymoon phase is over and all of a sudden things aren't as great as you thought. You go through that in everything, even a new sport that you take on. So still very high direction. Let me tell you what to do. You go do it. And this is where I think a lot of people in leadership struggle is when someone gets that third and fourth phase where they start to um, figure out what to do as as a leader to back off and let them do it. And I think if I think when I first met you, you know, you weren't in that first and second phase. You already knew how to do the job and and realizing it's okay to let that person figure it out and say, how can I help you? Mm. And and not be that's why you see established sales leaders um, all of a sudden they're micromanaging, right? That's what it comes down to because you've got someone on your team that knows what they're doing, um, but you want to continue to tell them what to do. Let that person do what they need to do and ask how you can help, right? So that was really my style. Um, and, and people can fall back into that first and second phase. And at the end of the day, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you probably don't have a job here. What I do today is a lot different because I'm not anyone's boss anymore. And that was a tough transition for me at first. I can't tell you what to do right? Because it's up to you whether or not to do it. So I, it's kind of like that whole, I can lead a horse to water, but I can't force them to drink. Um, what I found in this role sometimes is as a leader, you can fall into that trap of people wanting to suck energy out of you that aren't doing the job. So I really had to draw that line and say, you know what? I will show up for the people that are doing the, that are choosing to do the things. I will tell you what, what I believe, you know, got me to where I am. Here's how you can be coachable. I'll show you what to do, but I can't force anyone to do anything. No one's getting fired, right? Mm -hmm. So you show up and I will run alongside you. That's who I run besides the people that are showing up and doing the tasks. But there's no, hey, you didn't do the job. You're going to get fired in this role. It's not how it works. Um, the other big thing with what I do today is meeting someone with their goals. So in the prior world, we had quotas, right? Right. I don't set a quota for my team. I ask my team what their goal is. And no goal is too small or too big. So if someone has a small goal, that's perfectly fine. 
that's okay. Just make sure your activity takes you to your goal. If someone has a very big goal, then I'm going to push you to your goal, not my goal. And that's where I see a lot of leaders sometimes struggle too, is I've got this really big goal and I'm going to push my team to my goal. What I believe in is helping my team today truly understand what their goal is going to take. So they set their goal. What will it take to get there? Are they committed to that? Do they really understand what it's going to take? And if I look at my entire team and their individual goals and it adds up to my goal, great. If I look at my team and their goal doesn't add up to my goal, well, then I need to go find some more people. (laughs) I can't, I'm not going to squeeze my goal out of my team. I'm going to push them to their goals. You know, there's, you look at that that leadership component, right? Whether it's the health and wellness, whether it's corporate America, you know, you go, to, you know, the Blanchard leadership style, and, and you know, and, and I, I recall it, and, and you're absolutely right. There's high direction, low skill, and as it transitions, there's a balance of power between low direction, high skill. It's it's one of those challenges where managers find themselves doing exactly what you said. I want my goal to matter. I want my goal to look well. Um, you know, it, it's funny. I'm, I'm a big proponent. I've talked about it on the show. I think, Z, I, I, I gave you a copy of the book and recommended it, The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. I think the book's 15 years old now. To this day, when when someone talks to me about my leadership style, I, I, I you use the word goal. I use the word dream. I'm like, what, what, is, what is your dream in life? Let's, let's, let's accomplish that. But you mentioned something that's unique. In corporate America, we can tell somebody, I'm your boss. This is your quota. But the effective leaders in corporate America, and I might piss some people off, but I'm okay with it. Those who manage people to quota are always just managing people and are always dealing with a high turnover of sales or just always dealing with, with, uh, you know, you're a boss. Those who manage people to their goals and dreams, it's a lifelong relationship, but it's a lifelong growth for both people. And I look at that, Z, as you you were my manager and, and I and I shared in the in shared in Catapult Mission. You've been my manager, my direct supervisor. And it was never about managing to the quota. Right. And and and, and I think I was an amazing employee because I had goals way higher than quota. So it made it easier. <laughs> but yeah. you 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 manage people to their goals and to their dreams. And you look at this, you fast forward this, right? It's 10 years, 11 years later from when we first got we first met each other and you're like, holy crap. Where you're at, where I'm at, is nowhere near where we would have been if we would have just said, hey, hit quota, hit quota, hit quota. We've, we've wanted bigger things. You have a team where now you, you don't have employees. You have people who are on a team that come with a goal to you that want to accomplish things. And you don't have that quote-unquote authority, but the best leaders in the world don't ever really need that authority. How do you build somebody up, right? Because there's people who say, I have a goal. Everyone has these massively large goals. They may not have the know-how. They may not have the direction. They may not have the vision. I would say half of them don't even have the confidence. How do you build that? Is that something you can build into somebody or is it somebody that people organically have? You know, it's interesting because I've seen people walk into this role that don't have the confidence in themselves. They, They start out with everything that they can't do. And then all of a sudden you'll see, wait, they're building the confidence. They are doing all the things they said they couldn't do. And it's really an eye-opener that you actually don't have to have those things to get started if you're willing to actually take action. And I can't, that's the one thing I can do is take action for them. But what I can do is, and I say this whenever I bring someone on, just be coachable. Just be open to being coachable. Um, we're 
big on personal development. And I usually tell whoever joins my team up front, no matter how strong or how weak you might think you are, it does not, and I mean mental, it does not matter. You need to have the personal development. It's got to be there because you will hit a point where you think I'm not good enough. I've definitely been there where you think no one wants to do this with me. I'm not a strong leader. All those thoughts will creep up into your head. And if you're taking care of your mental game, you can get through that. You don't want to skip over it. It just doesn't work like that. You have to get through it. Especially because what I'm teaching the gals on my team is not just to be strong themselves, but they need to be leaders eventually too. They need to lead teams. So if you try to jump through all the tough, all the the moments where you think you're failing and and just get past them really fast or skip over them, you're never going to learn anything. You're never actually going to experience how to help someone else get through it. And so I really make it acceptable that you're going to go through that. Like, hey, this is going to happen. You're going to have these. If you don't have it already, you're going to have these feelings. Let's work on that mental game. So um, like right now, actually in our team, we have a book club going on and we're reading the book um, Failing Forward from John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a team, we're reading it. And I every few days, I'll put up um, some talking points and, and you know, we'll just chat about it on our, in our private group on Facebook. Um, but even if we're not doing a book club, I have a list the minute they start, they get a checklist of here are the books I recommend you start with. Pick something, 10 minutes a day, whether it's 10 minutes of reading or 10 minutes of audio, listen or read something that's going to help your your head. You have to get ahead of that. And even when you think you're in the best place, you still need to make sure you're doing the personal development. It It's... It's the common denominator that we've talked about on this show is the investment that have people have in personal development. You know, if you go back to the original question is, is how do you help somebody? And, and the and you immediately go back to, well, I'm, believe, I'm a big believer in personal development. Catapultic Commission's family, I, I don't know how else to say this, right? We're 100 episodes deep. We've had amazing guests on. Z is one of them. Everybody says the same thing. There is some value in this personal development. I... I can recommend a million books. Z can recommend a million books. It doesn't matter. In my opinion, it doesn't matter so much as to how many of the books as opposed to just reading the book and applying the material and getting engaged in, in that conf- and getting engaged in the content you see. So if let, let's just let's let's keep peeling that back. So someone comes to you, Z, and they're like, okay, I'm gonna do the personal development. I'm I I I have this goal. Well, you, you, you mentioned, you know, you, 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 your group, you're tailored, you're working with moms, you're working with moms that have been in corporate America and say, Hey, I want to experience a financial level or financial freedom that, that allows me to spend time with my kids. And I just want to say is the dads want that same experience too. I know you're working towards mom, but there are dads that want that experience. Like I've, I've joked before with Carla, like I would be a rock star stay at home dad. Don't like. (laughs) But my definition does not match reality. It would be golf in the morning, poker in the afternoon. <laughs> like I would just have a whole social agenda with it. So <laughs> that, that's probably more retirement. But all right. So you, you have this group that comes to you and they say, okay, Z, I'm working on this personal development. I just don't know how to sell. Like I don't know how to sell my product. I don't feel comfortable selling what we deal with. And, and I love bringing this question up, especially people in your industry, in the direct sales, in, in this in this space of multi-level marketing. Like it's always that stigma. I don't, I don't want to sell my stuff. How do you work through that? 
I always find that question or that comment really funny, actually, because the same people that tell me that I'll go and we're a social media business, right? Like everything we sell, Mm -hmm. we quote unquote sell or share is on Instagram or Facebook. And I'll go to their Facebook or their Instagram and I'll see a story that they posted and they're saying, Hey moms, Oh my gosh, look at this awesome oatmeal I got for my kid from target. Right. And I'm like, you are already doing all of the things, right. But you're not being paid for it and you're not sharing something that could actually build you a business. So it, 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 we live in a sharing society on social media. Women are sharing a lot on social media that they're not associating with sales. So most of the time they're already doing it. That's what I find is they're sharing the leggings they bought. They're sharing what, where they went out to eat. They're sharing the movie that their kids love. They're sharing how they got their kids to sleep through, you know, the, through the night. Like people are sharing because we like it. We feel good when we recommend something and someone else benefits. That's a good feeling. I also find that the people who truly are trying to sell on social media, right? So everything feels like there's price tags on everything and there's generic photos. I don't know how far they're actually getting. And I don't teach my, my team to do that. Right. I really teach that I share things that I make money on and I share things I don't make money on. And that's what you want to build. You want to build that influencer following where you are, people are benefiting from your shares even if you're not directly benefiting on every single one. I share a lot on my social media I'm not being paid for. And I enjoy that stuff because I like connecting with other people. I like connecting with other moms. I like sharing. I mean, just the other day I posted a photo and I think I had five people that wanted to know where this day bed I got was from. Well, I don't get paid on the day bed, right? Um, And so when my goal is really to help someone understand, you can be on my social media And you may not even know what I'm being paid for and what I'm not being paid for because you're benefiting Mm. off of both. Right. Um, So it's not that icky sales feeling. I I love that. I mean that. So here's the thing what you just said right now and catapulting missions family. If you're listening to this and you're in direct sales, rewind and just hear what Z said. And I'm going to break it even down simpler. She's always providing value like there's always she's giving more value to the marketplace than you're asking for in return and and the mistake that that i see and and i see this in my own my own network of people you get the you get the direct sales component where it's every post you're trying to sell me something i mean here buy this buy this buy this and it's it's like holy crap okay how about you just give me some value for free because if not you're competing in the world of social media. It takes a fraction of a second to scroll off your post, find somebody else. It takes a hashtag to find somebody else. So you're you're competing. The attention span of the average consumer is at the smallest it's ever been. So you have to give something of value. So I, I look at that, whether you're in direct sales, you're in B2B, you're in medical sales, you're, you're a small business entrepreneur. If you're not providing value to your consumer on a consistent basis, how can you expect them to give you value in the terms of paying you money for your product, widget, service, etc.? So I like I like how you break that down. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661 
228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. Z, one of the things that you talked about, right, you mentioned the book by John Maxwell, Failing Forward. And you and I had a conversation many years ago about failing and, and that fear of failing. Like nobody likes that feeling. Nobody wants to do things that they're not good at. I personally, I hate doing anything that I'm not good at. Even now, in all my business adventures and the, and the accolades, if there's something new, I don't like doing it. Like I, I, I don't like starting because I hate sucking in the beginning. That that failure, that fear of failure is a real thing that people deal with. It's a real thing. So when someone comes into your business or they get into sales or they or they they become a health and wellness coach, that fear of failure is is paralyzing them from level of success that that they can accomplish. How do you work with that person? Yeah. So if you think about what they're really scared of, what I find is that people are scared of failing in front of other people more than anything. Right. And I I equate that for me like golf. I'm not very good at it. And I don't like to do things I'm not good at either. Golf on the golf course where everybody can see me failing, that is super scary to me. If I could practice in my bedroom by myself, I wouldn't really care how many times I failed. Right? I might get a little frustrated, but it wouldn't be embarrassing. Social media, the reason some people are scared of sharing and posting and adding value is they're scared they're going to fail and all their friends and family can see them fail. What I talked about with you was, what is the worst that can happen? So instead of just talking about, hey, I'm going to fail on social media, why don't we break that down and talk about, well, what does that mean to you? How would you fail on social media? What is it that you're scared your friends and family are going to see happen? And usually that's a big unknown. People are never going to actually see you fail on social media. The only thing they're going to see is if you quit. And they're going to say, oh, she must have failed because she quit. So let's not quit. Let's just keep going and keep posting. And I really try to explain to my team, I've been there. I had the posts where no one commented. I had the posts where it was radio silence. But interestingly enough, I've also had people message me six months later saying, yeah, I read that one thing you wrote. And I read that and I read that and that really got to me, but they never commented. People are watching you. If you can add value, people will benefit, but it doesn't mean they're always going to speak up. You have to keep doing the action to get better at it so that 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 perceived notion of failure turns into success. But that I say perceived notion because how are you actually failing? Let's talk about it. What is the worst thing that can happen if you do the activity? The failure is what you think you're going through. And, and John Maxwell actually talks about this in this book is what is the actual definition of failure? What is the worst that can happen? What is that failure? Most people don't actually have a word for it. It's Think about it. If you were to start the business, what does failure mean? You decide you don't want to do the business. Is that failure? There's quite a few successful pe- people who built a business and then walked away from it and started something new or the business didn't work out. But what is the definition of failure? So really breaking that down of what is it that you're actually scared of? And then how, and then, and then how can we get through that? How can we actually experience, right? Go through that, do the posting, do the sharing, message that person you're scared to message of message, because what is the worst that can happen? You message someone and ask them if they'd like to do what you're doing and they say no. So what? So what is that? Is that really that horrible? Think about that experience. Are you going to regret that message if they say no? And most people will, will look at me and say, 
no, it's actually not that big of a deal. Uh, it's 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 our own our own belief that it's a big deal, right? I mean, if we if we take a social media strategy of of posting, we assign a value to likes and comments, and that value that we assign is superficial, and and I share that all the time, so much so that I have I have played with my Instagram algorithm for years. I've been in engagement groups, I've been out of engagement groups, and. And one of the things that I found was, you know, I got involved in some engagement groups early in my career and it was vanity metrics. And, it, and I've talked about it on the show before. I was like, oh, all these likes, all these comments. You're like, okay, that's great. But at the same time, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't in the, the client avatar that I was looking for for my business. So I was like, you know what? Hell with this. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to work with this, this group. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing on my own. So it was like my, my profile went down to, to, to shit, like literally nothing. And I'm like, okay, let me, let me rebuild this thing back up in an organic fashion and let me, let me fix some of the mistakes. And it forced me to say, I need to provide new and additional value to get people to re-engage my content. One, it made me better. And two, I'll tell this to anybody who's watching, who's, who's doing the social media. I always look at it this way. I had two posts yesterday. I think one got maybe 28 likes. One got 60-some likes, something like that. I have a following that is massive. I mean, that's less than one-tenth of a percent that liked it. I had 967 views on a story. So there's people watching what you're doing. Don't stop. Don't quit. Continue to go out. Continue to put out content. So I love that. In, in your worst-case scenario you talked about, I'm a big believer of that and i and I, as you were saying that i it, it literally hit me like a ton of bricks i'm like because from that conversation you and i had in this i mean we're talking over maybe 10 years ago now i ran with that where i'm like what is the worst case scenario for anything i do in business life relationships exercising posting social media i post a social media post no one likes it whatever i like myself i'm gonna keep moving forward so there is some value in having that mentor being part of that community where somebody like Z has a team and has a network that, that is kind of building that confidence because we all need it. We all need that confidence upbreak or that confidence uplift. Let me rephrase that. So now if, if someone comes in and, and is, they're having these emotional highs and lows, you have that community how valuable or what does that community do for that person? Because it, it can't always just be easy, right? I mean, there's one of you, you have a massive following, you have a massive team. How does your community help build and why should somebody be a part of a community? We have the most incredible community, I will tell you that. And, I, and I've been on both sides of the spectrum, but I get super passionate about this question because it's definitely not just me. So I'm part of a bigger team that's part of a bigger team. And I don't think I've ever seen anything this incredible. It is truly like a family. And some of us have not even met in person, but the level of support is absolutely unmatched. So when someone new does join, um, one, thing, one thing we do do is we go support their posts. So if you're putting yourself out there, you're sharing from your heart, you're talking about what's important to you, then you know the team is going to be there to cheer you on. So we make sure we connect with that person on Facebook, connect with them on Instagram, cheer them on in their stories, cheer them on in their posts. Um, we're a huge gift-giving team. Like I have this joke with my husband. He's like, I can't believe the, the door is ringing again with another gift from someone in the team. And I'm constantly doing the same for my team. 
and just, you know, that old fashioned sharing of physical, you know, love, sending out gifts and cards and it, it actually goes a long way. And that's one thing I hear from everybody that's everyone that's joined our team is this just this community is so incredible, incredible and unmatched. And I've been part of, you know, teams where we didn't have that level. It was kind of everyone just does their thing and you try to rah-rah, but it just didn't feel authentic. Um, but what we have here and what we're building here, it I've had people join that weren't quite sure about the vision. And then a couple days just being on calls with the team and getting to know the team. And it's, it's amazing to see how invested and how dedicated they are after that. Uh, you know, I, I love hearing that. I think everyone needs to be a part of a community, whether it's a health and wellness community, whether it's a B2B community, whether it's, you know, I love, I don't know, FUBU community. Pick something. I don't know. Whatever the community is, get involved. But the way you get the most out of the community, I can't believe I just said FUBU. I think I just aged myself here. But <laughs> the way you get the most out of a community is bringing more value than you ask for in return. It's it's sales 101. If I'm going to join a community, if I want people to engage and like what I'm doing, I'm going to have to come and engage and like what I'm doing. If I'm going to want someone to answer my question, hey, guys, I'm stuck. I don't know how to handle this situation. And I'm going to post that question. Well, the next time someone asks a question about something that I can provide value in, I'm going to provide value and give value. So these communities that are growing, you they're, they're online masterminds. You're going to get more value when you contribute and put in. So I love that. Z, let's talk a little bit. Let, let, let's, let's peel some layers back. We have here about, eh, let's say, seven-ish, ten-ish minutes. I want to peel some layers back for you here. What exactly are you doing right now? We talked about health and wellness. We haven't mentioned the company name. So let's, let's give Catapult to Commission's family a little bit about what you do specifically. Yeah. So the company I work with is, or work for, um, it's called Shackley. And if you've never heard of it, I had never heard of it prior to joining, ask your mom or your dad or your grandma, even if they've heard of it. Um, company has been around for 65 years, which is something that was really important to me because I wanted a company that had strong roots, loyal customer base, strong financials. Um, but this is what's really unique about Shackley. It's a the opportunity on social media is very new. There's a generational gap that was missed with Shackley. And so I am trying to rebuild and I'm working with our corporate team to rebuild in our age group, really. And to bring this company onto social media, which is huge because what I've seen with a lot of companies that have been around for a long time is massive social media saturation. Everyone is posting the same stuff. And that's sort of where I came from. What we have here is a very unique opportunity to share a product that has been well-loved for years by customers, um, that has longevity, that has proof, right, that the products actually work. But the social media opportunity is like nothing else I've seen. And so what I do is I help not just women. We have quite a few men that are customers and building businesses, but my niche is really with women. Um, I help them first get started on their own either health and wellness we have non-toxic cleaning products, skincare, um, and that's one piece of it. But then I want to show other women that they could build a business, right? So they could build a business with their three-year-old on their lap, right? Um, and you have to, you want to have some sort of passion for health and wellness. Some people join and that's not necessarily something they know a lot about, but they wish they knew more about. And that's okay because we can teach you all of that. But you have to be excited about helping other people feel better mentally, physically, um, live a healthier life. 
And so that's, that's really what I'm doing. I, I want Shackley to be a household name again. I want to be a part of making this a huge company again. Um, I want to be a part of saturating the market on social media. Because right mm. now, that's where the opportunity is. And I've been part of that company where I joined after it was already saturated. This time, I want to be part of making this what it is. And we're doing that. That's we're the fastest growing team in the entire company. That's exciting. I, one, th- that doesn't shock me. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would actually be disappointed if, it, if you weren't. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that because, I, one, I know you. I've worked for you. You're my friend. I see all your posts. So I see the value you provide to that community. You made that decision to leave. Let's wrap up with this. There is somebody listening to this show right now, and this is going to apply regardless of they're leaving from one company to the other in the health and wellness industry. If they're in B2B, they're leaving from one company to the next. If they're an entrepreneur, they're closing their business and they're going to start another one, or they're going to close the business to go to corporate America or leaving corporate America to start a business. When people make that transition, Walk me through your thought process on that because I believe there's more people that want to make change that are just terrified. You've done it multiple times. You left a six-figure corporate job that everyone's like, oh, this is the dream. I'm going to go do this. You build up a team in another company and you're like, psych, I'm going here now, guys. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Those are some terrifying life events. Z, how do you do that? Well, I want to start by saying I am actually not a risk taker. If you look at my background, I got my first job at 17. I kept working. I went from one job to the next, but I never had a gap. I did the whole college route. I worked. I went back and got my MBA while I was working. So I kind of followed this straight path for a long time. It was my husband when I met him he what he was the one that went off the path, right? He went to college and he walked out of college and was on a tour bus in Europe because he's a singer and then went back to college, got his first job. That's where I met him. But he was all over the place, right? And and in a good way. He 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 had the life experiences. He took the risks. Um, he has never let go of this idea that you have to do something that you're passionate about, which for him is his music. It's always been there. And so when I met him, he kept saying, well, eventually I want you to do whatever it is, your dream. And I kept thinking, like, well, I don't know what that is. And he kept saying, well, you have to go after your dream. I, like, and it's totally what the book you got me, right? The dream manager. Mm-hmm. But I had never really taken a moment to think about that until Todd kept putting that into my head. So I think it's important you have that, that cheerleader in your life, right? Someone that asks you that question. Um, but I, I want people to know I, that isn't my personality. Like I actually started out following that really straight path. <laughs> the first time I walked away, really, what is the worst that could have happened? I mean, I had built a strong career. I did not leave on a negative note. And I think that's super important. Whatever you're doing, tie up the loose ends, do it the right way, do it the ethical way. I put my notice in. I let them know ahead of time so that they could replace me. It wasn't like a two-week notice. I mean, I want to say it was probably six to seven weeks. Um, and I really worked with my leaders who I respected to, to make a clean exit. Um, I didn't start building my business and then dropping my responsibilities in my corporate job as this business took off. There was a time where there were definitely competing priorities, right? Because my business was growing and I still have my full-time job and you just have to get through that and make it work. Because what I didn't want to do is get so focused on my business that I wasn't doing 
my nine to five, eight to five job the way it was supposed to be and leave on a bad note. So I left on a really good note. I still have a great relationship with my former leader. Um, and he's always cheered me on in this new role. So that's really important because then when you ask what's the worst that can happen, nothing. I could always go back to corporate America if I wanted to. I will not go back to corporate America. It was the best decision I ever did. Um, but I had never worked for myself before. I'd never been my own boss prior. When I started thinking about what's the worst that can happen, nothing. There was really nothing negative that could have happened. I could have gone back at any point to my previous role and my previous life. And even today, if I wanted, I know I could go back and get a job. And I do get job offers, right? Um, so there's nothing, absolutely nothing, right? Financially, if that's your fear, well, that's why I built up my side business before I left my corporate job. So I built it up. I didn't just quit. And if you can financially afford to just quit and do that, there's nothing wrong with it. But for us, that wasn't an option. So I did have to build up my side income. And this is what I tell gals on my team when they say, I want to eventually quit my job. I say, open up a separate bank account, all the money that you make, put it in a separate bank account. What you don't want to do is build a lifestyle for yourself where you're spending both incomes because you're never going to be able to quit one. So if you're spending, if you build it up even to match, but you're spending both, you're now, now you're, where you need to be has changed. So live off of one income, whichever one it is, but live off of one. So open up mm, a separate bank account, right? So financially, you've got to be smart how you go into it. So open up I a separate bank account is what I tell them. Th- th- that's genius. You, I like hearing that. I mean, you look at it and you're like, because yeah, if you, you know, let's just use simple numbers. Right? If, if I'm making 10 grand in one business and I'm making 10 grand in the day job, in the day job and I spend 20 grand a month, you just, you just, it doesn't work. Like there's yeah, no yeah, exit yeah. from either one. That's uh, exactly, yeah, exactly. So make sure you're financially smart and plan this thing out. Like for me, from the day I told Pod I wanted to quit my corporate job, I gave myself 12 months to do it. And I did it in 11 from not from when I started my business, but from when I decided I was going to do that. So it was actually two years into my business, but I had only made the decision to go all in a year prior, 11 months prior. And then that's when we got financially savvy and, and smart about it, right? Like don't touch what, don't change your standard of living. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that's a big one. Um, the second time I left, I was not looking to leave. It was something I really believe was meant for me when I was first presented. It was that moment of like, oh my gosh, this is definitely, it's a God moment, if you believe, right? And it was, I could not turn away from the opportunity I still believe it's a once in a lifetime to be part of a company that's been around so long and be able to launch this thing the way we are. Um, it, it, it just spoke to me at a whole nother level. And I truly feel everything I've done in the past has brought me to where I am today. Like I was meant to be at this next level. And I think what we sometimes forget is you can grow into your next role. And that's really what I found happened to me. I was where I was supposed to be for six years. It, it helped me accomplish everything I did to get to where I am today. And this is where I need to be for the next phase in my life, right? Um, it was actually harder to walk away the second time though because I walked away from something I built. I think it's easier to walk away from the corporate job. Second time was a lot of tears, a lot of prayer. Um, I almost felt like, gosh, I wish I could unsee and unknow what I know. Right. And I remember I called Todd right before we had talked about this. We were all in and I called him and I said, I can't do it. Right. And it's that fear. 
that fear of failure again? What if I can't do it all over again? Um, and that was a Monday. And then Tuesday, I called him and I said, I did it. He's like, what? I thought you said you're not going to. And I said, I know, but I just, I, I can't because I know if I don't do this, I am always going to look back on it and regret it. But the second time was actually harder. I, today though, I, I made the absolute best decision. And every single day I'm reminded why it is a better decision for me. But, um, you have to, there's a, there's a piece that's your gut, right? you got to go with your gut. You have to ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen and having that cheerleader in your corner. And that's always been my husband. He, he always thinks I can do a hundred times more than what I think I can do. And you know what? We definitely need those people in our corners. I, I, I have a wife who does that for me in, in my corner. I do it for her in her corner, but not only that personal, there's the professional, that's the value in the community. Uh, kudos to you. Z, I mean, you literally doubled, tripled down on yourself. I mean, you kept betting on yourself. For someone who says they don't take risk, and <laughs> and if I I recall, I mean, I recall an old story. I mean, this is ten years ago or twenty twelve years ago, whatever. It was, when you were saying you didn't even like to play, you didn't like to gamble with money because you wouldn't want to, the concept of losing money in the in like a casino. You definitely have taken some risks, but what I love about it is every risk you take, you've bet on yourself. You never put the bet or you never put the risk in somebody else. There was never a risk of, oh, it was, I, I'm risking and betting on myself. And that is a skill Z that if anybody in your organization can pick up from you, they're going to be better off in life for it. So with that being said, Z, how does the Catapulting Commission's family, how do they learn about you? How do they get connected with you on social media? How do they see these amazing posts and, and tell us where to find you? Thank you. So zslingsby.com is my website, or you can find me on Instagram, z.slingsby. So S-L-I-N-G-S-B-Y. I would love to hear from you, chat with you um, about anything that we talked about today. Awesome. Catapulting Commission's family, do me a favor. Go like, subscribe, comment, get connected with Z. I am telling you, you will not be disappointed. She provides valuable content on a consistent basis. Everything, I mean, I've seen recipes, moms. I mean, she, your following is amazing, Z. I got to tell you, I've watched it grow from its infancy uh, to what it is today. And it's really inspiring and motivating. So Catapulting Commission's family, take my word. Go get connected. You'll have all of that in the show notes below. Z, thank you for joining the Catapulting Commission's podcast. I look forward to watching you grow and succeed. And we will be requesting to have you come back in a couple of years because I want to see where the vision has grown. So on air, will you come back? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. You heard that, Catapult Commissions family. It might take a year of tracking her down, but we're going to get her back on the show. So Catapult Commissions family, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, and I'll see you next week. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commission's podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commission's, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.